Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Flawed Theology Podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Susie. And we're asking the question, if your theology were wrong, wouldn't you want to know? We're back. We're back. Woohoo. It's another exciting day at the Flawed Theology Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's 92 degrees outside still. Well, maybe not, but... There's a severe thunderstorm, so I hope I don't lose power. We have one warning, but I think it actually turned sideways, so we probably won't get it. So Yeah. So how are things... Kind of something funny that happened is, do you remember in our Dangerous Questions group, I posted something about how my family hadn't had COVID yet? Yes. Everybody on both sides of our, me and my husband's family who are Christian and who would pray about this sort of thing, they've right. all had COVID, some of them right. multiple times, and my little nuclear atheist family has not. Right, right. Within one week of posting that, my daughter got COVID. Oh, and I just sucks. thought, you know, that is like, if I were even remotely superstitious, yeah. That would be a clear sign that like I messed with God and he smote me. That's providence right there. Like, oh yeah, yeah you want to taunt God? I'll get you with COVID that I mean, hopefully it was mild and it was. It was very mild. And nobody else got it? No. I cannot believe it. Nobody else got it. That's so weird. That happened in our house too. Like half of us had it and the other half never got it. I uh, I've been um like, I don't listen to podcasts a lot, which I know is ironic when you host a podcast. Yeah. I don't know why. I think I was reading something about Bart Ehrman and I was like, oh, wait, doesn't he have a podcast? So I looked up his podcast, but man, they are so fascinating. Just the amount of knowledge that he has about the Bible and like the way he approaches it, even though he doesn't believe anymore, he, he says several times, you know, like none of my scholarship is what took me away from my faith. It was the problem of suffering, right? Yeah, the problem of suffering. And, you know, I pick up from his discussions, you know, he still has like a real reverence and respect for the book as literature. Yeah. And I think the way he approaches it, like I feel like a Christian would listen to his podcast or whatever, and they might think he sounds really nice, but they would say, oh, well, he's just looking for problems in the Bible. But like, you don't get that sense that that's what he's looking for. He just wants to learn about it and he finds it fascinating. So that's funny because my dad, when he was asking me probably a year ago, what kind of things I was like watching and listening to, like what sources are you consulting? Right. And I mentioned Bart Ehrman and I kind of thought like, oh, he's probably heard of Bart Ehrman, but like mainstream Christians, I don't think they have. No, no, right. I, I'd never heard of him like in my Christian life. Right. And so I was kind of explaining who he was and he goes, what's his background? And I said, well, he's a former Christian and he goes, oh, well, there you go he has a bias <laughs> and i was like no no i, I mean I want... any... <laughs> that's so funny he it's didn't like... find it because he has a bias like he was a christian when he found all this stuff and still believed like through most yeah. of it like he believed through most of it and then it was the problem of suffering that made him go all the way to not believing yeah the things that he points out are all things that like if you are looking for concrete reasons to leave a religion they're all there right there in the bible like yeah i don't think a lot of his audience that's really maybe what they're trying to do i think for me it's more like man i was one of those biblical inerrantists that like believed that it was all perfect god inspired yeah and you know he just says you know you can still have all that and see the value in it but it's important to know the textual value of a, of a text and you know, he references it to other books in antiquity like books by plato or books by homer and all that he goes we would do these we do these same things with these texts too to try to figure out what the author is saying like is it really the author writing like it's really fascinating stuff so mm -hmm. i would highly recommend that podcast it's called misquoting jesus 
And his co-host, Megan Lewis, she is like a, a seriologist. So she knows a lot about like ancient Sumerian. She knows Sumerian, the language, like yeah, an Akkadian, yeah. which is crazy. Like She's Josh Bowen's wife. And I watched a video a while back. It was like a kind of a question and answer video where she said she's an Anglican, right? So yeah. she's a Christian. Yeah. And somebody asked her, how? Like, how are you? Why? Right. And she was like, to be honest, I don't know. Do you want to hear about what happened to me in Berlin? Oh, yeah. Berlin, Pennsylvania or Berlin, Germany? Berlin, Maryland. Oh, Berlin, Maryland. Have you not been there on no. the Eastern Shore? It's where Runaway Bride was filmed. Oh, okay. It's this really cute little town. Okay. And we were walking through, like, going to some antique stores, and there were some guys on the sidewalk handing out flyers, and they tried to hand us one, and right. it was like a flyer for church, right? Um, I just said, no, thank you. And then he tried to give one to Doug, and Doug was like, no, thanks. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I'm just trying to share the good news of God. And uh -oh. um, I kind of turned around. I, I looked back at him, and I just said, oh, well, we're atheists, so. Uh <laughs> and I, I wanted, this is what I expected to happen, is that he would kind of like chuckle and be like, oh, okay, well, be on your merry way then, because right. obviously, oh, yeah. oh, he he was shocked into silence for about three or four seconds, oh, and then he goes, wow, takes a lot of faith to be an atheist. And I like stopped in my tracks. I was like, right. turn around and go back to him. Like, who are you, Frank Turek? Like, come on. Yes. And I was like, well, not exactly. And he's like, well, there's a lot of unanswered questions. And I was like, no, there's way more unanswered questions in Christianity. Trust me. Right. And and he's like, oh, no, no. All the answers are in the Bible. He's like, just read the Bible. And I was like, I've read the Bible. Trust me, I've read it. He's like, I've read it too. And I was right. like, bye. Yeah. The whole interaction felt made me feel very icky afterwards. Yeah. Because it felt like, well, none of it was productive. Yeah. It would have been nice if we could like sit down for an hour over lunch and have both explain our perspectives and right. where we're coming from. But instead, we were just like hurling statements at each other right from across the sidewalk and it was not productive for either of us and it made me ha come away with a bad image of christians and i'm sure it made him come away with a bad image of atheists yeah i really all it did was like further the divide between christians and atheists and i just hated it <laughs> right and that's the kind of thing that like immediately it puts both people on the defensive yeah and you know it's not going to turn into some deep conversation so you're trying to like zing as much things that might make someone think as quickly as possible and then it's like it's never going to go anywhere like you know you can't have an actual epistemological discussion exactly i love what anthony does so much with the street epistemology you know and i would have loved to have a conversation with him like that right like if you could if you were prepared for that and it was like and i had time i didn't have my kids with me yeah right you said i'm like hey so let's talk about this or you know and it's and it would probably be weird if you're like hey well let me get your number and we'll have coffee and we'll talk about this you know <laughs> right. and blah blah which i guess you could do like maybe if someone's like bold enough to like approach you on the street then they should be willing to actually sit down with you yeah and like you know defend so, your beliefs to me yeah so i mean that's kind of a cool interaction i, I always wish i would have an interaction like that just because i don't know what i would do in the situation like well now i'm thinking i should have just kept walking but at the time i really honestly thought he would just kind of chuckle and be like all right i'm not gonna bother you anymore yeah be well because that's what i would have <laughs> done to him i'd been like all right we're just on different sides we're cool we're right <laughs> But he probably thought I was a demon. This, yeah. He's like, I didn't know demons could get married and have children. Oh, my God. <laughs> they like antiques. They're taking over. They're, <laughs> they're antiquing in Berlin. Oh, my God. The demons are antiquing.
today we have a guest and his name is Todd. So I know Todd through the yo-yo community, which is now the second person we've had on this podcast from the yo-yo community, which I think is funny. And because like one of those things you lose when you're in, get out of Christianity is like that ready-made community thing. And I think it's funny that in the yo-yo community, I've now come across two people that have a background of being formerly Christian or in Alex's cases, formerly Mormon, which I found out is called a foreman on uh, mm-hmm. Ross and Carrie podcast, a foreman, which is hilarious. So yeah, I thought it'd be cool to have him on the show. He's a, a sponsored yo-yo player for people that don't know that that exists. Like, he- well, What does that mean? It means he's affiliated with a yo-yo company called Rain City Skills up in Canada. So you're pretty good then. You're a he's good, good. yo yo I'm okay. He makes his own strings. They're all right. Called foxtails. Here's some right here. You make right, your own you, strings? Oh, oh, yeah. The traffic cone ones. So yeah, so so Todd actually runs a yo-yo club out there in Denver called the Mile High Yo-Yo Club because they're in Denver. So we thought we would call this episode the one from the Mile High Club because we like to strive to be as inappropriate as possible. That way, when people <laughs> see it on the thing, they now understand why we're calling it the one from the Mile High Club, not the Mile High Club that happens in airplanes. But you know, maybe we'll have an episode like that too at some point. I don't know. <laughs> Live from the lavatory at 35,000 feet. Mind you, I'm the co-organizer of the Mile High Yo-Yo Club. Ah. Yes, the co-organizer. Yeah. So, Todd, tell us a little bit about your your background, like your faith background. On a cold winter's morning in March of 1985, I was born. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> <laughs> like you felt, I, uh, I was brought up Baptist. Um, I believe you said you were as well. Yeah. I was pretty much born into it in the Midwest Baptist world, which is its own Baptist. Like there's Southern Baptist and there's Midwest Baptist and it's all different, even though it's the same. Yeah. If that makes any sense to anybody. Was that more like independent fundamentalist Baptist, like that sort of level of Baptist? I just said Baptist on the sign. I don't even know. <laughs> um, well played. It was, it, was, it was. I was a kid. I don't remember nothing. But. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in a tiny little town in Michigan, like a, a village, pretty much on the farm. And we would go to this church that was called County Line. It's on the line of the county, and it was. It's not very big. It's tiny. But I grew up there my whole life. I did Sunday school, which is you know where they scare you. <laughs> into you know just being a good person and then i did youth group which is where they scare you from doing drugs <laughs> right and, and having premarital and having sex. sex and having premarital sex right? right but i actually i actually switched churches in high school the only reason i was granted permission because it was to a different baptist church that was closer to my house wait you switched on your own without your parents i switched because i had a girlfriend who there went we go. to that church right so i see chase and tail you know how they do but um i think that church was my first experience in like a modern church because they like i grew up in the church where you do like hymnals are like voice and a hymnal book and a piano maybe Mm. um this church had guitars and a drum set and i was excited right Right. (laughs) because Like, oh, there's music here. How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> they had like the projector screen with the words on it. You're like, yeah. whoa, I can read up here instead of in my hands. <laughs> graduation day happened. And then I had a graduation party that weekend. And that day I moved to Denver. Oh. Um, 
Yeah. I uh, I walked downstairs uh, from my bedroom, and my brother was sitting on the couch. He lives in Denver at the time. And he's like, hey, do you want to move to Denver? I was like, let's go. <laughs> like, that was my response. And my mom That's almost awesome. shit her pants. But she didn't think I was going to go. I was like, no, I've been ready to get out of this place forever. Because like myself growing up, even though I was fairly sheltered, like I wasn't allowed to listen to music that wasn't Christian music or country music, which is absurd to me because country music is worse than rock music in its morality standings. <laughs> There's other things like there was like the city was exciting and new and big and and our little city of Grand Rapids, Michigan, which was tiny in comparison to everything. But it was like this this cool thing, like let's check it out. Like let me get out of this farm town because I'm either gonna be a farmer or work in a machine shop. And mm -hmm. I don't want to do either. Yeah. So at that point when you were leaving, were you like completely invested in that belief and you just wanted yes. to get away from some of the like strictness of your parents and your church, but but you were a complete believer? Definitely. I didn't start to like really change anything until my mid twenties. But I was still a full on like Bible warrior. So like were your parents like real strict about your like church attendance? Were they like super on fire Christian people? Or was it just kind of something they did and you went along with it? Something my mom did and I went along with it. I was forced to go okay. along with it. My dad was not. My dad was a creaster. So he just went on Christmas and Easter? Christmas and Easter. <laughs> you don't know that term, right? But my mom was three days a week kind of person and made me tag along to everything. Yeah. And of course, I didn't know anything else. So I just I just knew that and I felt that was what I was supposed to do. So when you say you were a Bible warrior, does that mean that you were going around trying to convert people? No, just like that on fire. Okay. The convert thing I've never been comfortable with. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> it's such a I don't understand it. Like I can't ask people to switch their long distance service, right? So yeah. um <laughs> right. That's but, what I always thought too is not every single person is suited for this kind of job. Yeah. Just like right. I couldn't be a door-to-door -door salesman, that's basically what trying to convert people is. Yeah. That's why when I listened to Alex's thing, I was I'm always wowed by Mormon folks, especially the ones that knocked on my door and then knocked every couple of days and just wouldn't stop i'm like i'm not answering the door go yeah. away the persistence <laughs> is is uh, admirable and frustrating as hell so right. as a kid growing up you did you go to christian school or did you go to public school or i went to public school because that's all we had okay there was a catholic school but it was girls only or i probably would have been there but it was uh or i might not have been my mom was anti-catholic even though she was raised catholic yeah. Oh. That sounds like my parents. They're the Which same. Which was thing. really strange mm -hmm. to me. And then even as a kid, I always had a question like, what about other religions? Why are there other religions if ours is the only right religion? Right. What about Catholics? And mom's like, they're going to hell. I'm like, <laughs> what? Wow. What? Like, it's the, sa it's, it's it's the, the same, same thing. thing. <laughs> different wrapping paper. Yeah. It's the <laughs> same software, different case, right? Like, yeah. it's yeah. just like they say Hail Marys and stuff, and I don't. And I always ask, I'm like, why? The response I got was always just because they don't follow the Bible, which doesn't make <laughs> which sense. Even true, she doesn't like... either. I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think anybody does. And Nobody though, does. Everybody, everybody eats pork and wears polyester, right? Right. So, <laughs> um, my strings are polyester, Phil. You better throw them away. Oh my um, god, I'm going straight to hell. Hold on, look at all this. Look at all this demon string right here. I know. Demon uh, string. 
Oh, <laughs> I can make one red and black. There you go. So you move off to Denver with your with your brother, and you're you know trying to enter the, the quote unquote real world. I guess. Yeah. Did you get plugged in with a church in Denver when you got there? Because that's like what you knew. I did because it's what I knew. However, in the big city, we have these things called mega churches. To me, it was a mega church because I grew up in a church with maybe like 200 people in it. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at a thousand plus wherever I go. Right. Like I couldn't form connections with anybody. And I stopped for a while, right? Because it was just like not my jam. And I kind of, I held on to like belief and just kind of hung out. And then I ended up finding a Pentecostal church. Here we go. <laughs> your mom's like your mom's like just seething with, she, with she rage. Was. Mm-hmm. She was. She was very mad when when she found this out. I, however, had no idea what a Pentecostal church was. Right. <laughs> I went there for a, a little while, like a couple of years, honestly. And I just I, I, it was small. That's why I went. It was weird as hell. <laughs> Pentecostals are <laughs> some wild shit. They do. <laughs> Luckily, it was like not ex- like crazy at the no one. No snake I was handling in. and holy barking. No, but they did. They had these things. <laughs> I was trying to find something to look like it, but it's these rings, like a juggler's ring, right, with this yeah. ribbon on it, and they would just like dance yeah. it around like hippies. And I'm like, what is what? this shit? Yeah, yeah. And they do like interpretive dance, and it's yes. almost like they almost have like a color guard. Some of them where they'll come out and they'll like swirl the batons. <laughs> yes, but it's to worship music, so it's like right. And I've seen that too with the rings with the with the um the, the tails coming off of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a kite basically. But you guys, they're out this there. Is the first time I've ever heard of this shit. Oh yeah, Pentecostals <laughs> do so. There is a when I was growing up. You know, I grew up Baptist too, but there is a huge pentecostal church right around the corner from where my aunt and uncle lived when church was letting out trying to get to my aunt's house it was like hell on earth and my parents my parents would just be so angry that their church had like ten thousand people and like the church we went to was like yours it was like 150 200 people and they're like look at all these poor deluded sheep they're just in there with their holy barking and their holy (laughs) laughter and and I'm like, I oh. think, uh, so I think bizarre. the dancing thing was is supposed to be like the entrance for tongues, not tongues. The entrance tongues. for yeah, tongues. Like speaking in tongues is a, like, yeah, it's like the gateway. <laughs> no, like, it's the gateway. Like the gateway to speak yeah. tongues, but it's yeah. that thing where you get possessed and you like flail around on the ground and shit like that. Oh, you're talking about getting slain, the getting slain in the spirit, something like that. When they that's, just fall and, over. Yeah, that's the getting like, slain in the spirit. It's like stuff. it's like you're having a seizure, and, right? I never could grasp that in my head. What? This isn't real. That cannot yeah. be real. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. It's a mental thing where you're like, oh, I feel this, so I'm going to do it. Right. I've heard some people say like that they just faked it because they felt pressure from everybody else. Yeah. Do it. Like if you don't fall over, you're not faithful enough. Right. And it's also <laughs> the product of the emotional manipulation that they do through the worship, which we talked about actually in the last yeah. episode, that there's a whole frenzy that the worship service is designed to whip you up into. So that way you can experience this euphoric state, which leads in apparently falling on the ground. I know nothing makes me feel better than falling on the ground and convulsing. I mean, in my Sunday I mean, best. In I've my never suit. tried it, but I'm going to try it. That's fantastic, apparently. But yeah, that's actually the, the same thing for any church. Honestly, the worship music is 
always tied to the sermon right like it's science it's like scientifically done yeah. the worship leader will pick their song choice and their order and to get you into the right mood for the sermon it's manipulation yeah so i did the pentecostal thing the watered down pentecostal thing for a little while and then i noticed that a few of my friends had started disappearing like not being present i'm like where the hell do these guys go <laughs> and i reached out to them they're like oh we go to this church that's over here it was some new church and i was like oh okay i'll try it out and i went over there and thus begins the end of my situation here it's a non-denominational church i would call it a mega church because it had a heck of a lot of people in, in a way like this is where i started to really experience like to fully experience what i call fake people and then start to realize that i had experienced fake people before but i just didn't know it because i just i grew up with it so that's what i thought it was mm-hmm and I don't. I want to preface this like a disclaimer of I don't think everybody who's in the church is like this. Like there are genuine people that I have met that I love and who I know and who are great. But there's quite a few people that are just shells of people. And they're just like all smiles and happiness on Sunday when they're in front of everybody. And then they go home and they're not. They're just shit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I can I can feel this because I'm I'm an empath. I've become more aware of my empath self over the years as time has gone on. One perfect example of this is I I had this worship leader who she would sing the songs and like she would do that thing where like they stop and like she just like strums the guitar in like a two chord progression two chords back and forth and then yes. they they like pray or and whatever they talk over it like endlessly yeah 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 like endlessly almost and it was this thing of like i had a vision a dream last night of a, a hand <laughs> or a foot or a neck or some a shit like that right like I saw back someone's back in my dreams. If you're if you feel like pain in your back or your legs or your feet or your hands <laughs> or, or your any head, general body parts or back. anything. <laughs> anything will do. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It, come on down, get some prayer. We'll put hands on you and pray for you. And I'm like, right. what? <laughs> It's like that John Edwards shit. That's what I said too. Like, yeah. oh, I'm getting, I'm getting Michael. They want me to acknowledge Michael. Oh, there's my husband, right? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I don't remember what that's called. There's a term for it, but it's, it's some sort of it's like cold reading too. Yes, cold reading. That's what it is. Yeah, it's the same that thing psychics do. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like I can do that too. Yeah. I, I I saw a foot yesterday. Dude, who's <laughs> whose foot's broken? Come who's get got some a praise. foot? <laughs> who's got a foot that needs prayer? Do you have fungus? <laughs> I know you've got fungus. Bring it down here. I've got some tough actin tin actin from Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Who and has then, a foot that but, needs prayer? God. <laughs> But no, but I, you're so right. That's exactly what they do. And like, yeah. they'll just say things that could apply broadly to a lot of people. And then if you're the person that's on the receiving end of it, it's you're like, oh my God, this person's talking to me. The spirit is working <laughs> through them. Like, no, like a lot of people have back pain. Like, honestly, in a church that big, you can say pretty general, uh, not even general, like specific. You can be like, I had a vision of a tumor. Yeah. <laughs> chances are you got three people with cancer out there. So, right. Oh, where was I going with this? 
I was on a tangent. And well, I you're talking about the so, fake, the fake people. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So my mom, my mom was out once, and she went to that church with me, and she's like, "Oh, I, I really love her. She's so great." And uh, my response was, "She's pretty nice, but I feel like she's pretty fake." And I was like, "What?" And I explained it. And then, like a couple of days later, she's like, "You know, I know what you're talking about. I get it." And I was like, "Okay, okay, <laughs> cool." That's the same person who wouldn't let me in the worship band because I didn't tithe. <laughs> because you didn't tithe? Yeah. I've never been in a place financially where I could tithe. And she held that against you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's not very Jesus-like of her. How did she know that you didn't tithe? Because she asked and I said I didn't. Oh, okay. Because the previous worship leader and I had already been talking about it. And he was like all on board with me joining up the team. And then she took over and then she's like, do you tithe? And I'm like, oh, no, not right now. And she's like, well, I can't have you on the worship team if you don't tithe. I'm like, oh my God. What? I'm like, you guys don't have a bass player but okay yeah i always been under the impression and this is something i grew up with is god gave you talents mm -hmm. and you need to use your talents to help church or people or whatever it is right so it, and my talent happens to be musical why can i not use this like why are you not letting me use the talent that I have because I don't give you money. Right. Because God <laughs> needs your money more than he needs your baseline. Like even though, you know, <laughs> Jesus destroyed a synagogue because they were collecting money. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> I think the biggest part though, honestly, the part that really hit me hard, like this is weird and I just don't want to be part of it anymore, is when Sunday, they had a, a sermon on near-death experience, okay? A near-death experience where you get in a car accident or you fall and you hurt yourself or whatever it is, and your body dies, and then you're resuscitated. And it's people's reports of seeing God or seeing heaven or seeing the white light. No one sees hell. Right. And the reason for this is because when you're near death or dying on the table or whatever, scientifically, like you enter a dreamlike state, right? Like you relive things or you see what you want to see in your subconscious. So if you get in a car accident and you die, you're probably just subconsciously seeing what you think you're going to see, right? And then you come back and you're like, oh, and that memory is imprinted in your subconscious. So you see it and you're like, I saw God when I almost died. He was like, what up, dude? How goes it? Right? And that's what got me thinking, if a near-death experience where my body's dead and I die, but I'm resuscitated and I've seen heaven what is that afterlife like is it really eternity or is it just my subconscious recognition of what i thought it should be and would be and that's where i want to be yeah do you really live on for an eternity or do you just live for those seven seconds when your brain is still alive yeah even past that is like there's electricity running through your yeah. brain that is still active, even right. if your heart stops or, you know, whatever yeah. kind of trauma you go through, you know, there's all kinds of medical explanations yeah. of what's happening inside your brain and that kind your of brain doesn't stop. Yeah. If it cuts off, then you actually are dead, dead, like completely yeah. like, you know, exactly. If I'm dead, if my body as a vessel is dead, do the, does the thoughts that's in my little lump of fat in my head, does it continue to give thought is that what an afterlife is is that what a spirit is right that we see ghosts and things is that what that is i don't know 
Yeah. And they like had video excerpts and things from people, right? That were like, oh, I saw God and I changed my life or whatever. (laughs) Then my pastor explained how a near-death experience is true. Like it's real. Right. Like if that happens, you go and you see God and then you come back. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you don't. You, you're, you're not, you're not dead yet, right? Like, because if you can be resuscitated, like you said, there's still some sort of an electrical impulse somewhere. So at that point, you already didn't believe in near-death experiences, and the act of him telling you that they were actually trips to heaven and back—that was like the last straw of you Cor- saying, like, correct. no, this doesn't match up. I don't believe. Yeah. Like you've lost your credibility now? Pretty much. At that point, I had gone to Christian University for stuff and done all my research in theological, what's it called, education, I guess. So I knew a lot and I'm self-studied on a lot of things like biblical. There was another earlier instance where they said it was one of these like come down and pray things for your foot. Um, and they were like, if you want to come down and speak in tongues, feel free. I'm like, what? And like they profess that speaking in tongues is real, that the near-death experience is real, and some of the wacky stuff that even the Catholics don't believe in, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And that, that kind of threw me, because here's this mainstream church that's non-denominational, supposed to just teach Bible preachings, and the Bible doesn't talk about tongues anywhere except for Babel. Mm-hmm. I thought Paul said not to do it or something, because then they'll think you're crazy. Didn't Paul say that? He's like, don't speak in tongues. Because he was calling it out as being fake. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't he, ask yeah. for this gift. He's like, like you're like, going to look weird if you do it. Yeah. Which you do look weird. Were there other like forms of hypocrisy that you saw that like they just started to like eat at you? Like uh, the whole thing is hypocrisy. I, and I'm, I'm talking of the whole broad scheme of religion at this point, um, not just my church or the people that I know. The similarities with the Bible, the Bible stories that were written, what, 3000 years ago in yeah. timeline, I guess we'll call it that maybe earlier. Who knows? Religion, it seems, has taken on a new form every couple of centuries from the dawn of time because the human question is why right why am i here what do i do etc etc if you look at all the different religions all the different mythologies everything aligns other than judaism which is a whole i mean it it does in a bit actually in the uh, the front part of it but it gets weird but if you look at ancient roman mythology you have god who's zeus you have demigods like Hera and the others, I forgot their names. You have the the god of the underworld, Hades, who's a fallen god. Does that sound familiar? Um, <laughs> right. Right. So in Christianity, you have God. You have demigods who are archangels, Gabriel and Michael. And you have Satan, and then you have the nine princes of hell, like Beelzebub and things like this. So it's all similar, but different. I was brought up, you know, like I said, if it's not what this religion is, it's wrong and they go to hell. If you're not doing what the Bible says, you go to hell. And I never got that because 
there are still people who believe in Viking religions, right? Like in Odin and Thor and whatnot, right? And that's that's the same thing too. Like even that religion, it's the same thing. I mean, Odin is a person who became a god, but it's just different types of things and all these different cultures and all these different people who have created the same thing in a way with different names. How can any of them be wrong? Wait. How can any of them be wrong? Do you mean how can any of them be right? How can any of well, y- yes. How can any of them be right? Yeah. It, it depends on your context that you're looking at it, right? If you're looking at them from within, like how can any of them be wrong? Like that's where I was in that moment. Is how can any of this be wrong if mine is right? Okay. Yeah. Like if mine is right, how can anything else be wrong? And then if you're looking at it from outside, it could be how can any of them be right? It, it gets tricky, but it's context. Okay, it's yeah. the same kind of thing like where you look at it and say, well, if mine is right, but it's basically the same thing as the church next door, yeah. well, how come they're not wrong? Or how come they're not right and we're wrong? Like, And it just goes to the show you that religion is something that man has created to ex- try to explain the world around them. And, and they just borrowed from other cultures. And Yeah, exactly. And it, if you think about that, though, too, like the, the Bible came into existence whenever it did. And sh- shortly after that, Rome came out with Christianity. They came out with Catholicism because it started in Rome. And Rome is part of the Bible, right? They're the ones who hung Jesus on the cross. But what religion were they before they adopted the Bible? They were still believing in Zeus. Yeah, they were just pagan pagan gods. And right, then... pagan gods and things like that. And then they just switched, and they were holy all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> so before St. Peter came along and told everybody what to do, what happened? Like, do all those people from before biblical times, did they just go to hell because they didn't know? Yeah, it's kind of funny to think about because like <laughs> there's a whole pantheon of history before Jesus set foot on the planet and then before the church happened, you know, a hundred years after he was gone and yeah. you know, Christianity started to spread. And then Constantine decided, oh, well, we're going to make Christianity the, the state religion of the empire yeah. because he was just trying to control the population. Like, exactly so, th- so then he's like, okay, well, let's just adopt this thing. Instead of killing all these people, we'll just make it the state religion. And so then it spread all over the place. That was the modernization of the world at that point. So that's right. why it spread, yeah. right? Because it all spread. I mean, if you look back at history, like Rome took over most of Europe during that time. And then there's, of course, the Crusades. So all the Spanish countries are prominently Catholic. England and Scotland used to be Catholic when they were under Roman rule, right? I mean, and then with Catholic, that's where I really see that similarity because like Catholics, they pray to God, they pray to St. Peter, they pray to St. Francis, they pray to St. Mary, they pray to all these different people when the Bible says you're supposed to worship only one God, but yet I'm worshiping St. Francis or Gabriel (laughs) or whatever it is, right? So that confused the hell out of me when I was starting to kind of explore. And I've done a lot of research and things like that on just on theology, not on anything out of it, if that makes sense. So I feel like knowledge is power, but knowledge wrecked my world from everything that I understood. I highly believe in spirituality. So now, like, I'm going to go off on a tangent. (laughs) 
spirituality and religion are two different things okay religion is believing in something spirituality is that spiritual realm of stuff i don't know if you guys believe in a spiritual realm like ghosts and demons and things like that but firsthand experience i definitely believe it because i've seen it i'm open to ghosts but i've never seen any evidence for one would you mind like what did you see i can talk about it i've seen a couple of things it's kind of it's kind of wacky honestly i'll start with the one time that i had a demonic attachment which is fun there was a time when i just didn't believe in anything right and i was like oh this is all bullshit and like <laughs> i i called out the demons you, you know like if you're real prove it to me kind of thing talking to the and, demon yeah and then nothing happened and i was like okay whatever and then uh, like uh, things in the, over the next couple of days couple of weeks things started to change and in the fact that I would have these weird ass mood swings where I would be like, la 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 la. <laughs> and then the next moment, I'm just like, fuck everything, kill everything. And it would like switch like on a dime. And then I wouldn't remember it. I wouldn't remember what happened. And people would be like, what did you just do? I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember it. Or, and then there was like a couple of times where like, I know people say this term seeing red, but I literally everything was red, like colored for a few moments while I was looking around and it was weird. I might've been having a stroke, <laughs> but I don't know. And then I went to a friend who is a pagan high sorcerer would be her rank, I guess. And she had a look at me and she's like, Oh, you're, you got like three demons stuck to you. I'm like, Oh, fucking cool. But <laughs> cool. Right. <laughs> now pagan is another religion, right? Here we go with religion stuff again. Yeah. But she did her little blessing thing and like told me their names and I forgot what their names were now. But seems like the kind of thing you should write down. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. But apparently I had three of them and she got rid of them and all the weird shit started stopped happening. But that made me, you know, a believer in spiritual realm. And then uh, then I had uh, ghosties. Um I have them again, I'm empathic, so I do have the ghosties come to me frequently because this friend of mine who is a pagan also said that I have gigantic purple wings, which means I'm a healer in the spiritual realm. I was at my school that I used to teach in, and in the off hours when there weren't any kids and I was wrapping up for the day, I would see a, an apparition in the hallway from time to time, and she was dressed in period clothes, like early Denver, so 1800s, um, when the school was built. And... She would walk from this one point, which was the door to the cafeteria, to this other point, which was a wall, which actually used to be the old exit. It's now the gymnasium, but it used to be an exit door. She would walk from point A to point B and just like walk and disappear. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Um, and it wouldn't be like this direct on visual thing. It's like this corner of your eye. Oh, I see you. And then there was one time specifically that I remember... I got the chill, like instant chill, and it was like 85 degrees in that freaking room. My hearing stopped, and I just went, and I heard this weird voice, and then it was gone, and I was sweating again, and um, <laughs> things went back to normal. And it was just so weird, because I felt like that was the presence of that spirit, like talking to me or something. I don't know. But again, it, it could just be me. It could just be me hearing shit and seeing well, shit, right? But see, we just don't I know. just don't know. Yeah, and it seems like, and I don't know, like, what your whole history was at that 
time or whatever but like this was like last year okay so like there's obviously a lot of things that you could explain a lot of those phenomenons with from a mental health standpoint yeah but those things also can happen when you're when you're in that heightened state of like looking for an answer to something or looking for a meaning you know so then it's not to discount that you don't really experience those things so that's the Uh thing like people want to say oh that person lost their mind or they were you know they should be (laughs) like institutionalized or that didn't happen you call the person a liar those things really happen because our sensory perception is generated in our mind you know so Uh could just be stress who knows yeah it could be stress induced <laughs> there's a lot of explanations for things but I think the difference is is like if you're able to look at an experience like that and say, okay, well, what can I learn from this? Or is there something that th- there is for me to learn that's going to make my life better or make me a, a more whole person? Like you've mentioned several times that you're like an empathic person. Right. And what I mean by that is like, I just read, I can read moods and stuff in people instantaneously, even through the veneer that they have, I can see what they truly are. And I feel like that's like an inherent skill that you're born with, right? Yeah, it's like, called intuition. <laughs> and and some people don't have it. Yeah. Some people can't read a person, but I, I, I can read a person very well and I can pick up on senses and like the room feels different and energies. Well, and that's the kind of thing that like many people that are, do psychic readings and stuff like that are high level empaths. Um, and they and it's because they're in tune with their own intuition. Yeah. So their perception of like what's going on in a situation is so much higher than like the average person. It comes across to the person who's being read as this person knows all about me. But yeah, person who's being read is giving off a lot of stuff by what they do, by what they wear, all that kind of stuff is being picked up by the empath who's in touch with their intuition. What would you kind of looking back and I guess as you continue to study on your own about religions in general, like what would you say are some of the most damaging aspects either to you personally, like what religious upbringing caused you or just in general of what some of the things you think are the most damaging? That is a loaded question. (laughs) It has so much to do with like indoctrination right like you're taught from the start of your life if you're brought up in it and truly are brainwashed um into thinking one way right so from age zero to age 18 i was brought up to believe one solid thing and then if anything else was not that it is wrong period no questions i'm not supposed to ask and then when i started asking questions i you know got away from it right because that's why you're not supposed to ask questions they don't want you to leave it that's what i think is the most dangerous part to kind of summarize your question the brainwashing side like you're not allowed to experience everything you're not allowed to you're not even allowed to learn about it i didn't know anything about judaism until i was in my 20s yeah right i was just told oh that person's jewish like they're wrong because they don't believe in jesus or something (laughs) like that or that person's gay so they're going to hell I know plenty of gay people that are like religious as can be. No, I think the indoctrination thing is a, I mean, that sums it all up. <laughs> like, I couldn't agree with you more that I feel like it's probably the most damaging thing. Like, it is damaging. So, like, 
being indoctrinated like that, right? Like I, again, I wasn't allowed to listen to any music that wasn't contemporary Christian Michael W. Smith, but I discovered rock and roll music when I was in my twenties, and I'm like, oh shit, this is fine. There's nothing wrong with this. It's cleaner than most of the crap I listen to. Right. Um, they have a couple of curse words. Who cares? Right. I actually remember one time a friend of mine lent me his Metallica CD. Oh, the horror. And it was sitting on my record player and my parents found it. And I I had to write some verse 500 times. Oh, that sounds just like, like Bart Simpson. That sounds yeah. just like what my parents would do, except they did it with like some innocuous band like U2. I had U2 <laughs> war in my backpack and they're like, what is this devil music? And I'm like... <laughs> Oh my god. Wow, I grew up way different from you guys. Yeah, yeah. I like to uh, like just obliterate Susie with my traumatic childhood and the mm-hmm. yours is probably very similar to mine. Well, yeah, it's, it's very similar. And then here's something I love. I was taught in church from the Bible that you are supposed to love everybody. <laughs> and then I got people <laughs> Like my parents and my pastors and other people being like, they're gay. You can't, they're, they're, I hate them. You're supposed right. to hate them people because they're gay. That guy's black. You need to hate him. Oh my goodness. Or Democrat. Or Democrat. <laughs> it's like, love everyone. And by everyone, I mean everyone that thinks the same as we do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think what you're getting at is us versus them, that us versus them mentality that church seems uh-huh. to really propagate. So indoctrination, us versus them. What other harms do you see from religion? Money. Money. Ooh, that's that's a money. big one. Yeah. Money is uh, that that whole tithing thing, right? Like, like I told you guys, like I wasn't allowed to be in the praise band because I didn't tithe. I don't think I had a job at the time. <laughs> How can you so, tithe without income? I, right. That's and that's crazy. what I said. It, you know, I was like, I don't tithe right now. I don't have a job. They're like you should bring in 10% of your socks and give them to God. But I have no job. Can I have some of your millions of dollars that you have? No. Right. No. You, what do you use this money on? It goes to rent and the giant ass screens we have up at the front of the fucking building. Like I don't, I've never heard of a church that has an assistance program for people who like lose their job. Yeah. Since my dad was a pastor, you know, for a good part of my childhood, I would always hear the stories about how people would come into the office and they would ask for assist, you know, money for their electric bill or whatever. And, you know, they'd be like, oh, this person, they're just coming to mooch because they, they, the church has money and we don't have money for that. Like we've got other things that God wants us to use the money for. And I always, it's like one of those things I always thought was bizarre because I'm like, well, I feel like isn't part of Christianity like helping people and like helping people financially actually can help someone's life. No, we had that too. I mean, we had like the, the the homeless people or whatever that would come into our church and be like yeah. escorted away. Yeah, yeah. The city of Arvada churches are uh, by city city doctrine. Like churches need to be turned into homeless shelters when the temperatures hit a certain degree or whatever, like when it's too cold out or something like right. that. So we would have homeless people like crashing in the foyer or whatever and it, that's like it like but that's only because the secular city made you right <laughs> right city makes you it's like we can do so much more than that though right. here's shelter here's food here's a shower let's hook these folks up mm-hmm. 
what advice, if you had any, do you give people to who are like questioning their belief system? I do want to say that right now I would call myself agnostic just because I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think that's all of us. Yeah. Whether we admit it or right. not, nobody right. knows. Sure, I get that. So I don't not believe in God. I don't believe in the church, right? If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I do feel like those two things have become so intertwined that they a lot of people think they mean the same thing when they don't. Because even the Bible says that a church is any place that two or more people gather to worship, mm -hmm. right? My advice, though, is to question what doesn't make sense and and ask the questions but don't ask those fake people <laughs> that are in the church yeah. right like if i were to ask a pastor or my mom any of the questions that i've ever had i would just get turned around with read the bible read the bible <laughs> that happened to me or it's blind faith yeah. or stuff like that. And that's not an answer though. Right. I once was told, I was actually told many times that if I grab a Bible and I open it up the pages, wherever I land on is going to answer my questions. It's a magic eight ball. Yeah. Yeah. That's the yeah. Bible Ouija board. <laughs> that goes back to that manipulation tactic though too, right? You're indoctrinated into that. Your mood is set. And you're like, oh, I'm not feeling too good about this. And you open it up and it's like, God is love. Because that says it in every five sentences. Yeah. <laughs> right. right? Yes. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, then I'm good. I'll right. go back to church and give them my money yeah. for no reason and not see anything about it. Yeah. Hopefully, like you're not feeling down and it's not like the passage in Kings where like JL drove a stake through a guy's head. Well, God told me to go drive a stake through someone's head. I mean, but that's what happens if you just use the Bible like a Ouija board, like, you know, and that's what a lot of people do. Like, I just find it so interesting that your advice to people is the exact opposite of the advice that my mom gave me when she found out I was questioning. She told me I was asking dangerous questions to the wrong people. I need to ask uh -huh. theologians. And right. you're saying, ask all those questions and don't ask the theologians. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to seek external confirmation. Otherwise you're yeah. just getting internal yeah. circular reasoning. Like, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's the John Edwards thing over and over and over again. And the theologians will find the way to rephrase your question in the way that makes you think that your question was dumb. <laughs> and why did I even ask that question in the first place? Right. Or to make you feel like you're sinful because you asked it. Right. That too. Right. And I've been told that too, honestly. I've been told like, if I ask the questions, if I ask the dangerous questions, whatever they may be, that it's a sin to ask. And I'm like, why is yeah. it a sin? That there, that statement is what started the rhetoric in my head. I was told that in my late teens. That's where I think it all began was a conversation that I had with my pastor when I was 18 about that. And it's don't ask the questions. And I'm like, why though? Why? That was <laughs> mm -hmm. then my question is why shouldn't I ask the questions? Right. <laughs> right. And I'm like, my answer to that question was because if I ask the questions, then I'll find out that it's all a farce and <laughs> yeah. it's wacky and I don't want to be part of it anymore. Is that what the answer will be? Right. Sure as shit. That's what it was. Right. So <laughs> yeah. That's what he was afraid of. Exactly. That's what they're doing is they're protecting themselves because back to the money thing, the church is a business. Mm -hmm. The church is a business. If they lose people, they lose money. It's like that George Carlin thing, like God's all powerful and all knowing, but he needs money. 
like, <laughs> I freaking love that. And it's the kind of thing that you just don't notice when you're inside. Like you think your money is going yeah. to like this great cause and it's going for ministry and it's going to bring people into the kingdom. No, it's going to the fucking electric bill. Yeah. I mean, some of it might be going to good stuff. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but they fund all their stuff that they do, but yeah. a lot of it's going to pay the bill, pay the mortgage, pay the pastor's extravagant salary. So I do have one more question. Yes. If you're willing to answer this, it's a little personal. If your mother's still alive, because you said she was religious, is she still alive? Yeah. Okay. How is she taking your exit from the church i don't think she wants to acknowledge it uh-huh. our mothers have that in common <laughs> my mom still sends me all kinds of bible stuff Ugh. right like emails with the la- the latest email was some bible verse about men not being allowed to have long hair oh and do you have long hair yes yeah, you do have- but um she found some stupid bible verse from like acts yeah, well, because it was a shame for for men to have long hair because women women have the long hair and also like the conditions. So like the weather conditions because it's fucking hot in the desert. So let's right. chop our hair off, right? Yeah, I'm like, mom, you eat fucking pork. Your shirt is probably silk. To the hair one, you should just send her back the story of Samson. And say when he cut his hair, he <laughs> lost all his strength. I cite so. that story all the time. But didn't Jesus have long hair? Yeah. Who the hell knows? Like <laughs> I know, but the pictorial yeah. versions of him. So like why would they pic- picture him like that if long hair is a Because sin? he was being a rebel. So so are you. Exactly. You can't be feminine and a male in Christianity because then you might be gay and all gays go to hell, you know. I'm pretty not feminine, so <laughs> now I'm reading an article about that very verse. One of the things it says is we must also define what is considered long and what is considered short. Oh my god! <laughs> like, really? <laughs> He's got a ruler. That's short and that's long. And He's like they don't understand what I mean by short and long. <laughs> Your hair should not be longer than a cubit. What the hell's a cubit? <laughs> uh, it's thirty-seven point five feet. <laughs> thirty-seven feet. That's a long. He's- He's sitting there just watching this dude's hair and he's like, it's about to hit that mark. It's about to roll over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There it goes. He's going to hell. He's done. The hell hair length has been reached. This one is damned for eternity. (laughs) Do not go to heaven. Do not collect $200. Right. (laughs) (sighs) I've voiced my concern about the church and I think she still thinks that I go. I used COVID as an excuse so hardcore, but I'm like, oh, I just watch it online. It's all good. Yeah. My poor mom, like I love her to death, but I don't, I don't want to get into it with her. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not worth it. It makes like, I don't want to have that argument. I don't need her to have more stress. Yeah. (laughs) I just ignore the Bible verses. I'm like, okay, cool. That's mighty big of you actually. Well, Todd, we appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you for having me. Any last words of wisdom? Knowledge is power. Yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) Use it. The question of why. Always ask why. Thanks, Todd. So I'm curious, what did you think about all the part in the middle about spirituality? Because I know your thoughts on spirituality. 
I mean, I don't know his history or whatever, but I mean, there's clearly probably some mental health issues there that like lead to that stuff. Like, and I don't discount people that have those experiences. Like I said, like you definitely had that experience, but it's not mm-hmm. what you think it was, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of how I feel about the spiritual realm in general. Like, like you can attribute things to whatever you want, but it doesn't mean that it's based in reality. Yeah. I think it's more likely than not that the spiritual realm, quote unquote, does not exist because there's no evidence for it that we can like ascertain and reproduce. Right. It's not a model that you can make predictions from and it's nothing. There's no explanation for it. There's no like spiritual matter that we can understand. But at the same time, it's also not falsifiable either. So you can't. It's the same thing. Well, right. Right. You can't prove it and you can't falsify it. But I'm also not going to sit here and say like the spiritual realm is non-existent. It does not exist, period. I feel like right. that would be arrogant right. and I am open to it. Like I've always had, I think I've said this before. I've always had like a very big curiosity about ghosts. Yeah. The paranormal, that stuff. It's super fascinating. Yeah. The paranormal, like if that exists, I want to know about it. Right. Yeah. It's super fascinating for sure. But when somebody says to me, I have, a, I've seen a ghost or I've experienced something. I'm, I always ask them to, to tell right, me, yeah. like, I want to know your experience because I've never had anything. I want to know. Well, and he had very clear stories too, like yeah. really succinct, like experiences, which is very interesting like yeah i stayed two weeks once at at a um old house in pennsylvania with my best friend when we were little yeah it, it was supposedly haunted so the the owners they've all seen the same old farmer guy walking around at night uh-huh. in the house and so i was like petrified the whole two weeks thinking i would see this <laughs> farmer guy i never saw him and uh-huh. we recently stayed at a bed and breakfast that was supposedly haunted and i talked to this lady who worked there for 10 years and i was like so i hear this place is haunted and she's like well i've worked here 10 years i've never seen anything i was like uh-huh. okay well that answers that it's all in people's heads she's like i'm just getting a paycheck confirmation bias they're looking for it right yeah so i still haven't seen any evidence of it but i am open to it yeah i mean and that's like kind of how i am about most things it's like i was talking to that guy today it's like i'm open to there being a god but i don't there's no evidence for me to accept it and i think that it's a really important distinction that like people don't seem to grasp the difference between belief or faith and acceptance of evidence yeah like they're two very different things and you can't say that atheism is a belief system it's not a belief system it's like there's no evidence to accept as fact that's all i'm saying like yeah if there was a god i'd love great show me thanks for listening to this episode of the flawed theology podcast i'm phil And I'm Susie. Tune in next time where we will continue to tackle the question, if your theology were wrong, wouldn't you want to know? Be sure to join us on our Facebook group, Dangerous Questions, and follow us at flawedtheologypodcast.com. Subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Rate and review the podcast on Google, Spotify, Apple. Those uh, reviews are really cool and we like to hear from them. So until next time, keep asking the dangerous questions. See you next time. Whatever that's called. I don't know what that's called. Did you guys hear that? Is that thunder? Yeah. Whoa, dude. That sounded like God's bowling right over in your attic. God's mad. God just dropped a 710 split right over your head. That really scared me. That was pretty loud. I was confused because it's sunny here. Wait, hold on. Let me see if I can do this. Let me see if I can do this real quick. Hold on. 
you know the devil had long hair? Oh, you look like Jesus. Yeah. There you go. I did it. I did it. Hooray. Yeah, you look like Swedish Jesus. Swedish. That's what I call those paintings of Jesus, where he has like dirty blonde hair and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. only man, the only white man in uh, the all Middle Palestine, East. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> the twelve disciples were all white too. So you know. 